Welcome to Street Smart Success, where real estate entrepreneurs share their backgrounds, experience, and lessons learned. This is Roger Becker, your host. Learn with me as I drill down with guests about their paths to success and what they're doing now. So today we have with us, most importantly to me, a very nice guy. I mean, that's becoming rarer and rarer in our society. This is a gentleman we're about ready to talk to. He happens to be a repeat guest on Street Smart Success. He has created a brand new career for himself, flipping land, which is a fascinating topic to me. Super cool thing. And you know, a lot of people start this and like so many other things, they don't, for whatever reason, they don't succeed. This is uh, not the case. Mr. Mike Deaton is successful in the land flipping business. And so much so that in the last period of I'll let him define it, months, quarters, year, what have you, he is now coaching others to do it. He is a top land flipping coach now. So he's going to talk to us about land flipping. And I'm so excited because we've spoken before, but I also haven't talked to a land flipper in well over a year. So I can get, you know, owned, owned again. Very lengthy intro. Mike Deaton, welcome back to Street Smart Success. Roger, thanks for having me back on. It's great to talk to you again. You got it. So no, again, it's, you know, I, you hadn't been doing it that long when we spoke the last time enough to have been successful at that point. Again, I'm, it's so impressive because I guess in my mind, I think that's something maybe I could do because I'm no, I no longer do what I did professionally and maybe I could do it. And frankly, it would scare, the whole thing would scare me to death. I just don't think I would be like smart enough and persistent enough to do something like that. And, and yet it's one of these things that feels very exciting because it's like you could probably make as much money as you're probably, you know, smart enough and willing to put work and, and, and do it and get a, on top of your fears. So kudos to you. I guess, where are you now? And I, that's a very open-ended question in terms of <laughs> the land flipping you're doing, however you want to define it, where you're doing it, the kind of deals, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. So we, we transitioned, my wife and I transitioned both into this. We left our corporate jobs involuntarily in 2016. And decided to pivot rather than go back in and into the world of corporate environment and and paycheck living. And so in 2017, we started our own company. I had heard a couple of other guys doing it on podcasts that were recounting their stories and and how what great success they were having. And the confluence of those podcasts kind of overlapped with revisiting Rich Dad Poor Dad and this whole mindset of just getting into cash flowing businesses, getting more on the business and investment side of the quadrant, as Kiyosaki calls it. So all of that was kind of swimming in my head when life presented <laughs> presented us with this opportunity to uh, reinvent ourselves. So, you know, we had some money in the bank. We had uh, some severance coming our way. We were able to craft a runway of sorts such that we could give this a go. And 2017, we jumped in. We Found a community of a few other people doing this. Got somebody to help us start our business, and yeah, we we were also very skeptical going into it. You know, so we we set aside, like I said, some seed money. We set a time frame. 
We gave ourselves like 12 months to, to just really vet this out and see if it was even, even for real. And then in the back of our minds, we always had, we could pivot to something else or we could get back into the workforce. There were a lot of options. And so we, we ventured into this new career with you know, some plan Bs, at least rolling in the back of our minds. But for all intents and purposes, we, we burned the boats and we went all in. And so, yeah, after about three years, we had built a really nice income stream back up to and or above our corporate career salary levels. We started paying a lot of taxes as a result and we diversified a little bit into multifamily. And so we've been doing so up and, you know, to this day, we still do a little bit of both. We land as a cash cow. We have progressed both in number of deals, but also a little bit in size of deals. When we started out, we were buying one to five acre properties. Maybe we could buy those for one to $5,000. And then we'd flip those for 20-ish thousand and just kind of kept that going. Well, now we're, you know, we're able, we, we still do a lot of those because they're, it's a really great pocket for a large buying pool. To, to be able to market that to. And there's a lot of people looking for that. It's affordable price point for, for a lot of people. But you know we, we chase bigger deals as well. We sacrifice a bit of margin on the percentage basis, but you know on a net dollar basis, it's, they're a lot bigger deals. And so we, 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 we have been putting some of those into the mix. And as you indicated, for the last two or three years, we have a lot of people who are intrigued by what we do, who are enticed by what we do, and looking for some support in starting up their own, whether it's a side hustle or a full-time. And so at the beginning of 23, we decided to launch our own program and we call it Flipping Dirt. And we started doing some coaching. So we've run you know, a couple dozen people through the program in the last year. It's a great just you know, we do a lot of hands-on. It's, it's super rewarding to watch people have success and transform. And we've even, you know, across 20, 30 people, you're going to have a range of action takers versus dabblers. But, you know, there's always a few that are outrunning you and you're like, holy crap, I got, you know, put the hammer down and, <laughs> and try to catch up to these guys. So, you know, it's been a lot of fun. That's a nutshell where we are and happy to dive in and explore any or all of those. Okay. Remind me, lest I maybe forgot, uh, lest I didn't ask it last time. But that's already a couple of years ago, so it doesn't matter. Got somebody yeah. to help you. Is that a, a, another land coach, Wendy's? Yeah, exactly. Another land coach in the business. We went through the program. Actually, before we entered into the program, I had purchased kind of a toolkit of sorts that was more, it was a set of DVDs back then but and, and manuals, but you could get an overview and potentially, you know, stand up your own business. I just had not looked at it because I'd been working full time. And so it was something that I got and never really looked at until that moment. And then we decided to run through the material. It was still interesting to us. And we went to an in-person workshop where we got a little deeper flavor and to interact with a few other people. And yeah, we decided to sign up and, you know, we were going into this full time. So we decided that we would learn and accelerate our growth and and get up and running as as quickly as we could and you know we've repeated that with our multifamily journey with setting up our own businesses it's always well advised in my opinion to just 
have people that can help accelerate your growth. You can learn from their mistakes without having to repeat them yourself. And, and it's just a great way to go about doing things. Who is the person that, who is the coach? Is, it, is it one of these kind of prominent guys that it's... Yeah, it was fairly... Mark Podolsky. Mark Podolsky okay. goes by the Land Geek. He, he uh, has been doing this for some time and has a good program. Yeah. So he, he I, I had him on my guest, oh my goodness gracious, like three and a half years ago. And the sense I had is he has a ton of money. That's my recollection from that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like like the guy, yeah, like I get the feeling he cash flows probably seven figures a year was the sense I had. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and so in diver- when you say diversified into multifamily as as a general partner, as a limited partner, what what is that? What exactly does that look like? Yeah, good question. So in this indication type of multifamily deals, and we have worked ourselves across the spectrum. So we started out doing some limited partner passive investing into deals, learned the ins and outs, got involved in a group, and then we have we have served as various roles across general partnerships in terms of you know, raising money, investor communications. We've led a few of our own deals and, and done some things there. And who, who was that? I'm just curious because I'm in the world. I'm always fascinated. Because you went through somebody else's program on, on the multifamily? Yeah, yeah. We did the same thing. So we joined Mark Kinney in Think Multifamily. Got it. A little bit smaller of a group, uh, had a really good family feel. We were able to get to know everybody. Some, when we were going through and looking at the different, different types of programs out there, some of them were just huge and a little more cutthroat in terms of trying to partner with people and do things. So we, we went with his program and were able to do several deals there. Got it. And so you were saying, Mike, that you're doing more deals and, and the size of the deal is, is increased. And I guess just ballpark, what, is that, what did that look like? We're at the very beginning of 2024. What did that look like in 2023, roughly? Well, six-figure deals. So, you know, between 100 and 500,000, our purchase cost on deals, we, we've not done too many of those, but, but that's where we start to look more and more. Just, just to land some of those. And up until now, we haven't really used leverage in any way. We've, we've used our own money to self-fund purchases and acquisitions and, and that. But last year, it's more about trying to use a bit more leverage. I mean, we've got six years of business under our, our belt. And so when we started out, we weren't even able to get lines of credit or, or other types because we were a brand new business. And now we have a lot of track record under our, our belt and, and we're able to, to utilize both institutional lending like banks and things like that, but also some private money. So partnering with people. I didn't think you could get, well, with some exceptions, I didn't think like generally, I didn't think you can get banks to lend on land. Uh, They will. Usually there's a higher interest rate than with a structure, but you know, the way we typically do is just a line of credit against the business. We also have a very large portfolio of land that we own. And so we can collateralize things if we have to. And we have cash flow coming in for years because we do a lot of owner financing. That's really how the business model works is, you know, we'll buy a property and we'll sell it to you on owner financing terms, right? So you put a down payment down and then you pay us for five years, $500 a month or whatever. Well, that's, that's future income that's coming into our business. And so there's a couple different ways that we can collateralize uh, leveraged money. Approximately, just to get a sense, how many different pieces of land do you guys own? Right now, probably I would say 50, 50-ish that are now 
most of those are under contract, let's say. So, you know, we're we're in the in the midst of someone paying off that land. And so we have a okay. promissory note against it. So it's not like it's unsold inventory. It's it's but it's in our name. Well, and that's what's that's what's generating cash flow, correct? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And do you, Mike, is that kind of the strategy? Well, is that the strategy and or do you flip pieces of property out of the gate versus you know doing owner finance on others? I mean, how does the how does the deck get shuffled? Yep. We do both. We prefer typically to owner finance just because we like the passive income, right? We set it up, we get it coming in and we have future income streams. But it's uh, it's great, fast, easy profits to flip for cash, right? I mean, if you can buy something for five or $10,000 and sell it for 30 or 40 or 50,000 and you know you get an instant profit, that is a lot of times, especially in the early days, that's really what juiced our business and, and allowed us to buy more properties using our own capital. But it's just not really as common for if, if you and I were in a deal, it, not a whole lot of people have money to just point down, you know, 30, 40, 50,000. To your point, a lot of banks don't lend on it. The lending terms are a lot more restrictive. And so a lot of people that we sell to couldn't get a loan for that type of money. And so the, the, it just... The market dictates that we do predominantly owner financing on our businesses, but we also we leverage realtors sometimes to do our marketing and sales, and those deals are typically cash deals just because that's their buying pool. They're people that come to them already have some idea about how they're going to buy a piece of land. They either already have funding sourced or or they're just already with a mindset that they're going to buy something for cash. What percent of the owner finance deals? Are paying you monthly and there's no headaches no. of getting your money. Ninety percent. Oh, that's fantastic. Or are, are you? So are you asking the mix of cash versus versus owner financing? Or are you saying within owner financing, how like how many defaults would we have that, or something yeah, like that, that? That's exactly what I'm asking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's even higher. So I mean, it's probably it's single digits, two three percent of people. I mean, it's very rare that we have somebody get into trouble. We also try to work with people as much as we can. Like we'll we'll restructure debt payments, or if somebody needs to skip a payment or two, a lot of times we'll put that on the back end of the note. Or we we, we try to do what we can to help people out. But every so often, you get somebody that just ghosts you, or they're just they're just done. But it's it's relatively small. What what do most uh, buyers plan on doing with the land that they acquire? <laughs> yeah, it, it you know it ranges. A lot of people have dreams of putting a home or a tiny home. A lot of the land that we buy now, since we live in Colorado, we buy a lot of land in Colorado. Just we love, we love the landscape, and so it's properties that are nearby mountains or in the mountains, great views, and and, and it's more residential style, five acres, maybe in a roughed out. It's not really a subdivision, but in a you know a neighborhood where there's dirt roads and and some stuff. And so a lot of people have a dream of building a small home or something there. Some people just like to camp, recreational type land. It's it's really in that vein for us. We know people who do look at a little bit more urban type properties where it would be for a home. Exactly, you know, a lot. It's a half acre lot or something for retirement homes. Some people do commercial properties, which is, you know, a little different ballgame, but mostly what we sell is residential real estate. What do you think? I never even thought to ask this, but it just came up randomly. What do you think the average age of the the buyer is of land? 
I would put the average age in, you know, 40. We get young couples that are looking for land. We get 30-year-olds and, and then older people. It's just, and so I, I would think it's probably a fairly even spread across the median of 40. And then how are you finding, are you doing uh, direct mail campaigns? At least a couple of years ago, that seemed like the, be the primary source for a lot of flippers. That's correct. Yeah, we still do predominantly direct mailing out to people. There are other people in the business. There are some sources where you can get phone numbers and you can do either direct outreach or text messaging or whatever. We, we It's pretty invasive. I, I don't like it personally. And we don't have, you know, I, I hear people that don't have good experience with it. So we kind of stick to the mailing campaigns. And then we've been in business for a while. So we also have a network buildup where we have repeat buyers, uh, we have repeat sellers, we we have some just you know people that we do transactions with that we've done business with before, or they refer people to us in that way. Hmm. And what would you say is the hardest part? And so you're coaching people. Well, from your own experience as well, getting started and or people you coach. I guess in my mind, I guess my frame of reference is that starting the business. I started having nothing to do with real estate many moons ago. If I were to come up with an adjective of what it was like, the adjective would be excruciating starting a business. <laughs> and so, and so that's my frame of reference then. So I just think everything would be incredibly hard, which I, I, I probably need to disavow myself of that. But you, know, you talk to most successful people, they'll tell you, yeah, man, the first X years were really, really, really hard. And I didn't know what I was doing and this, that, the other thing. So I guess the question is, what is the hardest part of starting this business? What are the obstacles people face? Yeah, well, you hit on it. It's the mindset. And so there are other people out there doing this coaching. And we had, as I mentioned before we started the show, we've had a lot of people reach out over the last few years wondering how, you know, they, they see our lifestyle and they kind of hear a little bit our story. And so we've had people inquire, you know, what is it that you guys do? Is it for real? Can you help me get my own business going? And we had dozens of people ask over the years if we would help them. And my wife, Lydia, and I thought about it as we were debating whether or not to start our own program. How would we differentiate ourselves or what could we offer that's unique in this space? And so when we went through our coaching program, it was great on the nuts and bolts of the land business, right? End to end, here's the process. You can follow this flow. Where we struggled was in starting up our own mindset about how do we run a business? How do we push through limiting beliefs, self-doubts, all of these things that, that are a drag on your journey to, to get to success. And so that's exactly what we focus on in our program is we partner or we couple the the ins and outs and the process flow of of running the land business but it's really more about getting in touch with people and having these one-on-one phone calls and where are you getting hung up on things how do we help you get past whatever it is right because we all have our own like even Lydia and I when we did I, I come from a different background than she does she had her own hang-ups I had different ones and we just didn't have that support network to, we were each other's support network to try and pull through all of that and to get our business up to a successful level. And as you mentioned, a lot of people wash out and it's just nine times out of 10, it's because of that. It's because they just kind of give up. 
But anyway, that is without fail what trips most people up is just because it is, it's a new, you know, not a lot of people know or even think about land flipping. And, and when you think about it, you're like, how could this ever work? And so just all throughout the process, some people are natural born salespeople. Some people are not. And so there's all different types of ways to navigate that with other resources, with automation, with leverage. Some people come in with, with barely any money. Some people come in with a lot of money and no time. Some people come in with a bit of both. And so there are different strategies that can set you up for success in in whatever resources you bring to the table. And so that's where we really try to act more as you know, business consultants and personal coaches in helping people ramp up quickly and effectively and and just get some some wins under their belt and and get things going. So that's but but without fail, that's that's the hardest thing because the business itself is not overly complicated, right? I mean you're you're finding people that own land, you're reaching out to them. The ones that accept your offer are interested, you you close on the deal and then you turn around and sell it. I mean it's the processes themselves, very simple. It's really just about the the partnership and, and getting it going. That was, you kind of answered the question I was going to ask, which of course I can't help myself. So I'll ask it anyway, (laughs) even even though you just answered it. And this is purely projection here. But in my mind, it it, it has this mystique. And even though I've done this podcast for a few years, 100% real estate, I've never been a real estate operator. I mean, I've, I've purchased some stuff. My wife handled all the details, by the way. So I mean, I... So I don't even know how title works, any of this stuff. I, I demonstrate yeah. my ignorance here in the public forum. So in my mind, like what would scare me personally? Like, could I cold call somebody and talk to them about buying their land, even though I have no idea what I'm doing? Absolutely. That's kind of my, my st- yeah. I'm a sales guy. Does it scare me to do a direct, create a direct mail campaign? I was in the advertising business 40 years. Nothing would come more secondhand to me talking to you. What would scare me personally is just, is just learning the mechanics of it. But here you're saying that's actually the easier part of the equation. If I heard you right, going, it's a really simple business. So it's just a matter of the blocking and tackling and the resistance of you know business in general. Is, is, is that correct? Largely, yes. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to undersell the, you know, what it takes to, to do each of these pieces because, but, but even there, there's, there are services, there are ways to get things done easily. I mean, it's, it, it, it's not near as complicated as a multifamily deal or even a house, right? I mean, you're, it's a piece of land. You're not adding value. There's no lawyers involved. There's, simple deeds and transaction. And there's even automation to, to make that happen. There are service providers that do it for you. Yeah. The, the, I mean, it takes a few repetitions as with anything to become a little comfortable with it and get it going. And so, but yeah, to your point, I mean, some people come into the business understanding the language and, and some of the transactional pieces more than others, but it's all very, very learnable and very approachable. So interesting. You said, you know, you and your wife each have had like respective barriers or hangups, I think is the term you used. Different ones, you and your wife. What what would you say was your hangup, I guess, in, in corporate that you brought to this? <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, I come from an operations background and and have run large organizations and 
managed vendors and subcontractors. And so my mindset is very organized, structured KPIs or you know process indicators, dashboards, things like that. And so the business itself for me was second nature to understand the process, set up metrics, run it like a machine. Mine were really just in the self-doubt of, can we make this work and replace our incomes? Can we, you know, is, it was just confidence in, you know, is it going to bear fruit and are we going to be able to do this in order to make a living? It really wasn't so much each of the piece parts. I'm not necessarily, and so coming from operations, I'm not necessarily a salesman or I didn't have a lot of customer interaction and things like that. So those were uncomfortable for me. There, you know, it wasn't anything that that I felt held me back. I'm happy to to step in and do those. It just takes some practice and and things like that. Ligi, on the other hand, she's she's from Romania. English is English is her second language, and and so she's not versed in the world of business uh, in in many of these things. And so a lot of that was was learning for her. And then it was a little bit more about just getting confidence of speaking to other people and this fear of judgment, like, oh, they're going to hear my accent and they're going to think I'm scamming them or whatever kind of a thing. And, you know, you do it two or three times and people actually compliment you or something. And so it totally flips the script a bit. But yeah, for me, it was really just more about faith in the business model and is it going to, is it going to sustain us? And, you know, it, it has 10x more than I ever even envisioned That's that we incredible. would be. That is incredible. And the the fact that you've replaced, you know, two corporate incomes, which I would gather were, you know, substantial, right? Decent incomes. Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was hard to walk away from that. Yeah. Incredible. I, I would imagine, although, you know, I, I can't be in the inner recesses of your brain, but I would imagine necessity was an ally of yours. In other words, I can, you, you needed to replace that income so that with sometimes when you're in doubt, but you have no choice, you soldier on because you have no choice. Absolutely. It was a good, it was a, a good stress to have, you know, it definitely was a motivator. Now, at the same time, we, we, structure our lives in such a way in that moment to relieve some of that. We we downsized, we sold our house in Plano where we were living at the time and we we moved to a town home in Boulder in the Colorado area which was <laughs> you know the size was different but the cost was was probably about the same when we moved from from one market to another but yeah I mean we we consciously engineered our lives such that we could alleviate some of that pressure and and give us room to not have that be a stress and kind of work the plan within our framework. Is there a, you know, I'm really beating this thing hard, but what the heck. (laughs) Is is there, across your your experience coaching people, is there one or two things? And you you said it's mindset, and I understand that. Is there anything, a thing or two tactically that that seems to appear repetitively that, 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 that the hardest people, the hardest part of the process for people to, assimilate or grasp? It's typically technical in nature. There, there are systems throughout the, the process that you can use. Mailing, for instance, right? There's a process to get a list of names and there are various ways to go about doing that. But generally, they come in the form of a spreadsheet. And then there are services where you can text people or mail people. Well, that requires some technical setup, right? So you have to you have to put a template together in, in order to do either 
some kind of a mail merge, or if you're using a service provider, they want things delivered in a certain format with, you know, and so it's usually things like that. People aren't technologically savvy. People aren't used to using things uh, Excel. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm not, I'm by no means an Excel wizard, but I know my way around how to manipulate data a little bit and, and how to format it. But man, so many people aren't. And that's, you know, it's things like that. We use CRM. So customer, you know, databases to help track response rates and, and things like that. Th- those kind of things are, can be tricky. They get, they get more and more user-friendly, but, but they're tricky to set up a lot of times and, and use. And so that, that's primarily what I would say the, the hardest things for people to overcome are. And that's yeah. where, you know, the one-on-one coaching really helps because we can, we can sit down side by side and work through things or, or steer people in the right direction to get the, the right support and, and, and things go so much, they go more quickly, but, but those are also the points at which people a lot of times will, will stop, right? It's like, I can't push through this or it's going to be too much work or something. And so, you know, th- those are the types of things where coaching really, really comes in and, and makes a big advantage. Very interesting. So I guess, there, there are still people out there, and I would be one of them, frankly, but there are still people out there that are still not particularly technologically savvy or, or to, more to the point, are, are technically not up to speed at all. So Luddites. Yeah, Luddites. Uh, yeah, more Luddites out there. Uh, that, that's my theory. I'm thinking like, there's got to be... Like, my wife is very good, and I am like... I, I should have been born like 200 years ago. And I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be millions of people out there like me. There's got to be a business serving people like me to learn technology. I mean, that's a very, very broad thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, technology. That's a, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, because I'm that. I, I'm that. What I what you just described that would be that would be that would be a challenge for me. Yeah. Well, it's most people. You know, I mean, yeah. we, we, it's not everybody. There's a lot of people who are <laughs> savvier than I am. You know, and they're able just to. To hit it, run and gun, but yeah, a lot of people don't deal with that on a day to day, and so it's it's a little foreign concept to be able to manipulate data in a spreadsheet or you know even even things that aren't you know like I said I I consider myself maybe average or above average, but just basic things like adding filters to your data set or you know sorting in a certain way, and they're not overly complicated, but yeah, if, unless you've done it, and honestly, unless you do it regularly, it can be tricky. Now, all of these things, I mean, to your point, we do in fact live in a world where any and all of those things can be managed in multiple ways. You can recruit people on Upwork or Fiverr or wherever that can manipulate, right? You can tell them, hey, and they'll do it, you know, in 30 minutes or something. And so it's, it's highly advantageous to leverage people that can do things that aren't necessarily your strong suit. Now, when it comes to the process itself, it's good to learn it before you outsource it, right? So you know what the hell's going on. You're able to, you know, oversee something. And that's what we always encourage. But I mean, any of these things that could be potential barriers don't have to be barriers because there, there's a way around it. And now, I mean, gosh, we haven't even scratched the surface with, with AI and the different tools that are going to be coming, you know, in the next months and years and, and all of that. So. Yeah, it's, it, it shouldn't be a barrier for anybody. What would you say is the biggest mistake that you made to date? You know, this is the great thing about land is it's, it's very hard 
to make a mistake. But the biggest opportunity is just really doing your due diligence on the chain of title, making sure you're getting a clean piece of property. And so there's a few service providers out there that that will do that. They'll they'll check just to make sure there's no liens on a property. You want to make sure, I won't say that there's no back taxes. You just want to know what the situation is because sometimes that can be used in your favor in either negotiation or or getting somebody. But it's really just making sure you are eyes wide open on a piece of property. And even that, like, you know, I would say one of the first mistakes that we've made in a long time, we bought a property recently that did have a lien on it. It wasn't a government lien. It was a lien from a private company. And it was one of the companies that I think initially sold the property. I can't remember exact details, but it's not even in business anymore. And so, you know, in, in three months or, or so, the lien's going to expire and it's, it's, not a, it's not a big deal at all. But I think we bought the property for 5,000 bucks or whatever. I mean, even if you make a mistake, it's not like a $15 million multifamily property or, you know, where you've raised $5 million in capital and and you got a seven figure mistake or something. But that's what we real, that's one of the things that really enticed us about getting into the land business was, you know, the barriers to entry are very, very low. And and the risk is one of the most asymmetrical risk reward type businesses that I've, that I've found. And so it just, you know, it's great. Now, you know, as we get up into larger properties, we're buying a $150,000 property or something, then, okay, you start to to work on things with a little more intent, intensity, such that, you know, you're you're good. But But the margins on property like that are more conducive to bringing other players into the, into the transaction in the form of like title companies that will you know, a lot of the the cheaper properties, we won't use a title company. We don't get title insurance. And so, you know, once you once you go up in a scope, you can easily bring those in and de-risk that part of the process significantly. Hmm. What would you say, Mike, because you got your hands in a couple of different things, you're still doing multifamily, I think. Probably not the lion's share what you do. It's probably obviously the land and your coaching. Five years from now, what does your professional life look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. So I love coaching and I always have. I, when I was in the corporate world, that was really the, that was the part of the, of the job that I enjoyed the most was really coaching my team, watching them grow and, and do things. And so when I left the corporate world, that was something I really wanted to, to keep going. And, and I have done a bit of personal coaching over the years. I, I only do one or two people a year, typically work on whether it's in their career or their personal life now that we're doing land. Uh, and so I want to continue you know, some form of that. Our land business, we largely are pretty hands-off on that now. I mean, we're really business owners. And so we like to be involved in in looking at what new markets do we want to go in. As I mentioned last year, it was about, okay, let's start looking at at larger properties. But, you know, our vision is just to generate more cash flowing businesses, whether that's, you know, the land, I think will always be a part of it. But we're looking at, you know, do we want to buy a business or two? here in, in 24 or 25. Multifamily, we enjoy... My vision of what multifamily was when we decided to go down this path was not really syndication style, which is essentially like a flipping model, right? I mean, syndications are kind of a, a buy, value add, flip it, 
give the profits back to the investors. I'd much rather buy a smaller, you know, less than a hundred unit, something that we could outright purchase and buy and hold for ever or a long time or a different type of commercial asset. We, we uh, last year in 23 started our own podcast called the Cash Flow Fight Club podcast. And it's really all about exploring cash flowing business ideas. And it's, it's self-serving because we're, we're looking for cash flowing business ideas. So yeah, I would say in five years, you know, the, the vision is to, to have steady long-term passive income coming in or cash flow where we are as involved as we want to be. And we're pursuing the things that we want to be pursuing that don't necessarily have to, they don't have to generate an income, right? We can do things because we want to do things, whether that's, you know, something in the arts or community service or, or a business. Got it. All right, man. Well, uh, you, you do have vision and you're broadening your scope. Very, very interesting. I am so glad we had this conversation and circled back. Hope to do it with you again and we'll, we'll check back. How does one get a hold of Mr. Mike Eaton? Yeah, the best way for us is our website, flippingdirt.us slash freedom. We've put a landing page together where we have some contact information, Calendly link if somebody wants to set an appointment and schedule some time there. There's a few ebook type, you know, if you're interested in a land or in multifamily, or it's kind of a one-stop shop for people. So flippingdirt.us slash freedom. Fantastic. It's, it's a Friday afternoon, both of our times. Have a fantastic weekend. And, you know, again, you're, you're a good man and I appreciate that. Likewise, Roger. Happy New Year and all the best to you and look forward to circling up uh, in the near future. You got it. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care.